Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're listening to Out of Odds, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Welcome back to Out of Oz, a podcast where we discuss the fantasies and fallacies of modern day Christian culture with compassion, conviction, and courage. I'm Danny, and I'm hosting again for a few episodes this season, and we have Adam Powers, our Hello. guest host. I looked at Aaron, I said Adam. Adam, Aaron, same thing. Hey, Adam you know Powers. What? Finally, we haven't seen each other in months. I, I know, guess, right? Months. I guess, but he's like here every episode, so you're not even really a guest anymore. Good to be here. Yeah. Well, he, he might here. not be here every episode this year because he is going through the final stages of becoming an MD. Yes. In uh, theology. I mean, close, but not close. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we are excited to be back. And we have a very, I think, um, very practical topic on tap today. Something that comes up every, I mean, quite frequently, probably in your world, Danny, with with young friends, definitely in our world as pastors. And, For sure. Uh, where either young people who are newer to the Christian faith or just young Christians in general, regardless of what age they are, will say, what is your advice for me? Or what does God want me to do? Or what is the counsel that you would give? And so that's kind of where we are today. That's what we're talking about. Something really practical for you guys. And this would apply to anyone. It's not just for young Christians, but that is the namesake of the episode. Experience salvation is a moment or period of time that most of us remember vividly. It is usually a time of extreme love for Jesus and passion for the gospel. And yet that incredible phase can also be filled with crippling doubts and questions regarding beliefs and the practicality of living as a new creation. I would add judgment can very easily enter in on the heels of that oftentimes. And that mm-hmm. is, those are the attacks that come with newfound faith in Christ. Yeah. So today we are taking ourselves back a little bit. Mm. To when we were first dreaming. We're going to be talking about this. We're going to be revisiting this a few times this season. Of one day in antiquity. Let me get my readers. Hold on. <laughs> um, but we are taking ourselves back today to when we were first redeemed and unpacking the advice maybe that we wish we were given mm. and our advice for young Christians today. And so, really, the question at hand is what would your advice be? For specifically for newer Christians or young Christians, but also just for kind of fledgling, struggling, doubting, and we all find ourselves there at times. What is some practical advice that we would give to re-energize and bolster the faith? Mm. Yeah. We ready? That's a good question. You ready? I was a moron when I was 20. <laughs> I wish I I'm had a something now, like this. I'm a moron now, man. Oh, well, <laughs> some people think so. I don't oh, know. I, well, we know that. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> See the comment feed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's a very open-ended question. Like, what is your advice? Is it could be literally so many categories. Like, you just said a few in the intro. Like, there's doubts. There's judgments. There's probably a lot of, like, being overwhelmed with, like, your whole new world now mm-hmm. and all the things that you can do in church. Like, where should I serve? What kind of church should I join? And you know what's not going to happen on this podcast? What? What? We're not going to cover everything. Yeah. It's all not going to be advice. exhaustive. All yeah. the advice that you could get. This is actually so the only video you ever need. So this is this is really just accumulation <laughs> of of what what have you been twenty years in ministry or close fifteen years in ministry? Yeah, about okay, 20, so, and, 20. And I'm about twenty years in ministry as well. And so, from our personal perspective as pastors, mm-hmm. what advice we would give 
we're suburban pastors for the most part, um, living in suburbia, ministering in suburbia, and seeing all the attacks and all of the assaults on the faith that come. And so that's what this is going to be. So maybe not everything that you, the right. listener or watcher, would want, but hopefully something that you can take away and benefit from. Right. Mm. Okay. That's good. So I feel like maybe the first question people are asking as new Christians, because, I mean, this isn't the case for everyone, but a lot of times people become Christians, they're redeemed, and they're on that kind of high of gratitude for Christ and just passion for the gospel, and they're just on fire, so to speak. That's the word that obviously we throw around a lot. So any advice to speak on, like, what to do with all of that, like, newfound love and gratitude? And, like, should they be prepared for it to continue for a long time? Should they be prepared for it to drop off or— Two things come immediately to, to mind if I were asked that question. The the young on-fire convert, I, I was there at 20 years old, and I wish I had a mature friend to come alongside me and tell me two things at least, right? There's a million things that you probably should say, sure. but the first thing that comes to mind is enjoy it. Mm. Enjoy this moment because it's not going to last. Uh, this super on-fire extraordinary, miraculous, supernatural, just day to day, every second of these early days is going to be filled with vibrancy and color. It's like living in a black and white world and then all of a sudden waking up one day and there's color everywhere and you can see every detail on every tree and every leaf down to every little nook and cranny and ant and ladybug crawling all over it. And you just enjoy the world, enjoy God, enjoy knowing him, being known by him, diving into the word for the very first time. I still remember what it was like reading the gospel of John for the first time. Mm. And I remember I read it in like a day and a half and then told the guy that led me to Christ, okay, so what's next? And he said, read it again slower. And I was like, no, really, what's next? (laughs) And so enjoy these early days. But then the second thing I'd also say is not so much it's not going to last, like that's super depressing (laughs) and super despairing of a like utter realism just slamming you in right there maybe. Maybe a helpful reorientation is so much of the Christian life is not going to be like this. So much of the Christian life is going to feel incredibly normal Mm. and mundane and ordinary. And this is what the disciples were feeling in John 14 Philip even asked Jesus, he said, just show us the father and that'll be enough for us. And Jesus is like, I've been here the whole time. Do you not know me yet? Yeah. And so it had become incredibly mundane to Philip in John 14 and Jesus just entered right into that. Mm. And so learning how to do life with Christ in the mundane is going to be most of our life. And that's okay. And there's a gloriousness about that, that we need to lean into. Those are some Mm -hmm. of the first things. Yeah, oh, I would really say. Good. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I didn't, I didn't have the high. No, maybe I'm not a Christian. I don't know. Um, no, I'm, 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 are I mean, you I, saved? I, I really, yeah, I really <laughs> didn't have the high. And I think, I think people are different. Personalities are different. And a lot of people do. Well, you grew I, up. I had in, grown in up the in the church. church. I had I grown didn't. up around right. scripture, right. and and so for me, it was a coming to a point of surrender mm. and going, "Hey, this is this is it." Like yeah. that 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 faith and trust of surrender to Christ, repentance. You know, all the whole nine that goes into that. But I would also say, because I've never had that high, like I feel like, and I know this is not everybody's experience, but I want to validate that we all walk different paths in our journey with Christ. Like I haven't gone through that low of like, I honestly could say I've never gotten over like the radicality of like the gospel of grace. Mm. That like, 
I just don't deserve this. Yeah. And no matter what somebody says about me or you or Danny, they could say a lot worse if they knew everything, you know, and, and, and Christ knows all that. And yet he still says qualified all the time, every day. Yeah. And I'm just like, that is so freeing. And like, when I, when I hear like, when I hear Jude, Jesus, little brother, most likely say, keep yourself in the love of God in Jude 121, you know, it's not that we have to like, literally, we understand that doesn't mean like, keep, keep it so that God will keep loving you. Cause that's how some people read it. And that's yeah. a, a, well, you a really nefarious way of like right? reading that. But, but it's that vibrancy that's there that had been lost in the church of Ephesus and revelation too. You know, that needs to stay there. And the practicality that I think would be back up to verse 20. And it's just like where Jude says, building yourself up in the faith. Like, so reminding yourself, preaching the gospel of grace to yourself every single day, like just reminding yourself of that, like truly, because I think the tendency is to go, all right, I read the gospel. I read John. What's next? What's next? Like, <laughs> and it's like, no, there's no next. Like, yeah. build yourself up in that. Yeah. Like, like build yourself up. And then it says, and praying in the spirit, which, yeah. you know, a reliance on the spirit and a filling of the spirit. And, Whoa now. And, Whoa now. Hey, you know what? I know. Whoa I know. Now. I'm getting crazy. I'm getting crazy. But honestly, for me, like, <laughs> I think, I think at times, especially with like new zealous and passion believers, we start to overcomplicate. Like, what do I need to learn? What do I need? And there's always this pursuit of learning and showing ourselves to be approved, um, workers, rightly dividing the word truth, all that. But at the same time, I think, I think it's easy to, to kind of move past the foundational, foundational elements as if they were merely foundational. Like the gospel was merely the beginning mm, point. As if we graduate from yeah. the gospel eventually. Or move the, on to or deeper rely, things. Or, or right. reliance on the spirit, which is like kind yeah. of, oh, I needed that in like the first week or the first mm-hmm. month or the first year. We instead never of, graduate yeah, from the gospel. Yeah, instead of like, hey, just keep yourselves there. And yes, learn and grow, but never leave that pivotal juncture of your faith. Amen. So, Amen. That's really good. And that's where the issues come is when you think you need to graduate, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. One of the greatest things about Martin Lloyd-Jones Someone said this of him. He, he never said this of himself. Someone said this. I, th- I think John Piper and Tim Keller said this of him. He never got over the fact that he was saved. Yeah. Mm. He, he, he was always in awe and Isn't in that wonder. where like spiritual decline comes a lot of times is when entitlement sets in? Right. Like I'm almost like God owes me something. I, I've been a good boy. I've been a good girl. I've like, I've, I've conquered. I've read my Bible every day. I've gone to church. You know, I teach this. I do that. You know, we start focusing a lot more on our perseverance than his preservation of us, you know, and like, no, gratitude. So. And, and it just starts to decline because mm-hmm. there's like, there's, yeah, there's no need for gratitude anymore. I'm yeah. doing it. I'm yeah. doing this thing, you know, like instead like of God got you started or something. Yeah. And now you're well, like, well, he just kind of gave you the sure spark. There was a really, a really, um, really well-known theologian named Paul who said, oh, foolish Galatians, having begun in the spirit, are you now being perfected in the flesh? Like that is yeah. literally what he's yeah. talking about. Like, mm-hmm. no, it's it's from start to end grace, from start to end the work of the spirit. And that doesn't mean that we don't mortify flesh and it does and mortify sin. And it doesn't mean that we don't submit to Christ. And it doesn't mean that we aren't active in spiritual discipline, mm-hmm. but we are only active in that because God's grace is just so incredible toward us on a continual basis. And we're begun in the spirit and we're perfected in the spirit. And we just have to remember, we have to remember that or else we go sideways fast. Amen. So like you were saying, you grew up in the church. So your conversion was kind of more of a surrender sort of yeah. deal. If we were to categorize salvation experiences. Um, we but Yeah, no, let's not. <laughs> let's go around the room. <laughs> um, but so some Christians have a complete turnaround yeah. and they have a crazy past mm. and a God redeems them from that. And that's amazing. Some people... Their life on the outside doesn't seem so much as different, but still that post-salvation experience, like we all deal at some level of wanting 
to be a new creation, but then also trying to like kill the the habits of our past, obviously. So what advice would you give to young Christians that are struggling with just the temptation of wanting to live the way that they used to? Submerge yourself in the Bible. You cannot spend a lot of time with Paul without coming away believing that something incredibly transforming has happened to you. I mean, Paul continually says, we have died in Christ and we have now risen in Christ to walk in the newness of life. Not only does the brand new believer need to know this, the the young Christian that they're entirely new. They need to be new now. So, so the call to holiness is something like don't, it's not first adhere to these, this moral code. It's first be who you are. Cause Paul said uh, in Ephesians 5, 8, you once were darkness, not in the darkness. You once were darkness. You are mm. now light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So the call to living the Christian life is be who you are. And insofar as you understand who you now are in Christ, resurrected from the dead, yeah, Yeah. a new creation. And so you're going to struggle with these things to various degrees as you ebb and flow throughout the remainder of your entire life with your old life and things like this. And Luther, Martin Luther said it, I think, best, gets at this reality. He said a lot of things really best, but he said, uh, speaking of baptism, which would be fun. (laughs) Oh, we already did a podcast on baptism. Answered all the questions there. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> but speaking on baptism, Luther said, my old Adam, meaning my old man, was drowned in baptism. Then he spoke very colorfully, which is, I think, okay for this podcast. <laughs> he said, my, my old Adam was drowned in baptism, but that jackass is a good swimmer. <laughs> meaning he's ever continually having yep. to slay the old nature and in, in, in order to live in the new one, mm. kill sin, run toward Christ, run in the way of his commands. That's a never ending journey. That's never going to stop. It's going to look different in different seasons of life. You'll not always be tempted with the same things in the same ways. We should fear getting to a point in our Christian experience where the fight stops because mm. yeah. it can't Yeah, because it'll kill us if it does. Yeah. You ever heard that quote from Luther before? Actually, you know what's funny? I was just looking up a Luther quote when you were talking. <laughs> a different one? Uh, and it was, to his, it was to his best buddy. His, his uh, mentee. Melanchthon? Melanchthon. Philip Melanchthon. Yeah, the younger guy. Where Luther, so I'm going to take a little different slant than powers. Surprise, surprise. Nah. We are different people. I mean, I, I actually affirm everything you're saying. Yeah. I think there's multiple angles at which you can look at this. But I love Luther for a lot of reasons, too. And yeah, he had his warts and he had his problems and, you know, nobody's perfect. But he said to Melanchthon, and I would say this to a listener, if you're a preacher of mercy, which we all should be, do not preach on imaginary, but the true mercy. If the mercy is true, you must therefore bear the true, not an imaginary sin. And that's so easy. I feel like, mm. oh, I just, I'm, you know, I'm a sinner, you know, and, and without ever, any specificity ever. Mm. He says, God does not save those who are only imaginary sinners. Be a sinner. And let your sins be strong mm. or sin boldly. But let your trust in Christ be strong and rejoice in Christ who is the victor over sin, death in the world. We will commit sins while we are here for this life is not a place where justice resides. We, however, says Peter, are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where justice will reign. It suffices that through God's glory, we have recognized the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. No sin can separate us from him, even if we were to kill or commit adultery 
thousands of times each day. Do you think such an exalted lamb paid merely a small price with a meager sacrifice for our sins? Pray hard, for you are quite a sinner. Um, some people will say that Luther was trying to justify us sinning there. And I don't think that's what Luther was trying to do. I think he was acknowledging that we will sin, mm-hmm. that we do sin. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you're new into the faith, here's the, here's the, the weird juxtaposition, I think, at least for me. Sin is never okay. Just because we sin on a daily basis, it never makes it okay. Right. But we have to also, at the same time, admit that we sin. Because what can happen is because we know it's not okay, then we can start pretending as if we never sin. And those who never sin need not a savior. Mm. Or we can pretend that the sin's fine. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can do that. Or you can pretend that stuff is sin that's not actually sin. Whatever the case may be, the whole point here is like the gospel is that Christ came and died for sinners and that he saves us from sin and he saves us in multiple ways from sin. And he's qualified us even though we are still actively, practically sinning at times and sometimes often. And the whole point is it's so easy, I think, to go, well, I haven't haven't sinned today or convince myself I haven't sinned today. So like God loves me more or God favors me more instead of going, God loves me in spite of the fact that I sinned grotesquely today and it doesn't make it okay. And he who was born of God, first John three, nine, doesn't continue in that pattern of it all the time. Like that, just the spirit helps us to overcome that. Right. But yeah, at the same time, we are still going to struggle with that. And so when we do, we don't make excuses for it and we don't say it's okay, but we say we are a sinner. Christ is a savior. Like we acknowledge that, we confess that, and we take joy in the reality that he has forgiven us once and for all, those who are being justified through his blood. I, that's how I live this. And for me anyway, look, everybody's different. For me anyway, that is actually the foremost catalyst to not sin. Mm. It's so freeing to go, Christ has redeemed me, Christ has saved me. Like nothing is held against me. There is now no condemnation ever for those in Christ Jesus. Why would I not want to live for him? Like, why would I not, instead of being like, oh, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I sinned today. Like, I don't know. I'm like, and, and it, no, it's like, I sinned. I confess that. It doesn't make it right. It, it's not justified. But yet grace upon grace upon mm-hmm. grace keeps preserving me and propelling me forward. Yeah. And I just feel like at least people I talk to a lot of times and young people I see, they just live under this cloud of guilt and shame and, oh, I messed up or I did this. And that's not okay. We're not justifying that, but we're saying, Christ has died for that if you're in him Mm. and start living from the victory that is Christ instead of from the guilt that is shame. Well, part of being young is being aware that you're young. And so maybe this is just an element of advice I'm aware of that all the time. (laughs) How young I am. I know. You're just (laughs) wet, wet behind the ears over here. Uh, And tethering yourself to older, more mature people is so needed because even C.S. Lewis said, not the greatest inkling. He said, um, he said, I believed in the forgiveness of sins for years before I believed in the forgiveness of sins. Yeah. And so there's going to be this element to your young Christianity where you believe in the doctrines and you truly do, Mm. but there's so much unconquered. When the theoretical becomes livable and practical. Right. That, that takes years. Yeah. yeah. It takes years of living, of sinning and repenting Mm. and fighting and receiving grace and enjoying forgiveness and then doing the whole thing over again. And Lewis was right. And this is what ordinary Christian experience looks like. And young Christians need to know this. That's really good. And I think 
if you're watching this, you should really listen and try to take in that advice and that wisdom from you guys. Cause like, I think especially I remember not when I first became a Christian, but just like in high school or something, like knowing that my reputation was a Christian and then at the same time messing up all the time or gossiping about people or saying things I shouldn't and being like, they're going to think I'm a bad Christian because they know I'm a Christian and I'm like not acting like it instead uh -huh. of thinking like, I have to show them what redemption looks like and what forgiveness looks like. And that's like. not a bad thing. Like that's conviction. Yeah. Like we talked about that. That's conviction. Right. Like when we mess up, like we're convicted, <laughs> it grieves the heart of God. But yet the punishment, the penalty for that has already been paid right. by Christ. And so we have the liberty now. It's like Luther also said in Bondage of the Will, I have this comfortable certainty oh, that when I sin, God does not credit it to me, but with fatherly compassion picks me up and makes me better. Mm -hmm. And like that, mm -hmm. that, that is that angle and that perspective of this is like, he doesn't hold it against us, but he does make us better. Like he does cleanse us and purify yeah. us and make us better, practically speaking. I just feel like there's a lot of liberty that's missed today. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of theology that's merely theoretical. And it has never like landed with like gravity upon the soul that this is the key to like living the Christian life is right. knowing that we are irrevocably, truly knowing, knowing that we are irrevocably loved by God and favored by God in Christ Jesus. And that that's not an excuse to like live however we want to no, live. No. We're not antinomian, but it is a comfort that when I sin, he never ever credits that against me. Right. Because he once and for all is credit against Christ. And so now he is happy. He is pleased to commission his spirit, to convict my heart, to comfort my heart, and to cleanse me and make me more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. Conform and yeah, another C. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and um, <laughs> and there's just like there's just so much. I mean, you're in my home group, so you know, like there's just so much comfort in that. We talk Christian life all the time, and there's just so much comfort and empowerment in that. That I don't know. Like I, I feel like we miss it a lot of times, yeah. and, and it becomes a checklist, and it becomes duty, and it becomes guilt and shame and heaviness, and and oh, I just I'm gonna throw up my hands and give up because I just keep on sinning and I just keep on like struggling and. When we actually, when we approached this podcast, I thought to myself, you know, if I was sitting down with a young person from our church or a young minister, where would I go? And you might go to a bunch of different places, but I kind of went where, and it's pretty famous, especially in youth groups, but I went where, where Paul is talking to his best little buddy, Timothy, in 1 Timothy 4.12, and, and he gives him kind of five ways to be an example or to like, you could say to keep yourself in the love of Christ, you know? That's good. And That's good. Um, he gives him these five practical ways there. He says, let no one look down on you because you're young. But instead, rise up as an example. And Timothy's a pastor, but I think this would apply to all Christians. Rise up in, as an example in faith, in love, in purity. There's um, conduct, your Christian, your faithfulness mm. to Christ, um, your speech. Yep. And how you. And so I was like, okay, so that's really good. But practically speaking, and so I'll kind of like take us on a little journey really quick here, at least to say what I would say. And that is, okay, what is what do you mean by speech? If I could give some advice practically related to that, like be an example in speech. I guess the advice I would give is learn, you know, James 1.19, learn to listen, to hear and learn, not to react. Like when we talk about speech, because there's so much of that today, right? It's like, learn to listen. Like I love Jordan Peterson, like people who listen know that. And one of his 12 rules for life is understand the person you're talking to knows something you don't. Mm. And we don't do that. Like we just kind of approach situations as believers or as unbelievers, just think we already have all the answers instead of learning to let everyone be swift to hear 
slow to speak, slow mm-hmm. to wrath, James 119. And so that was, that was one I thought with like conduct, I was like, well, what would I give? And I would say with conduct, and I know you would agree with this, like mm. seek actual legitimate wise counsel. Like if you're a young person, seek, not your best buddies, not like, like seek legitimate wise counsel. Um, when it came to love, it was like, okay, what, what advice would I give for love? And it would be really be careful your friendships that you choose. They're influencing you. Mm-hmm. They're shaping you in ways mm-hmm. that you don't realize. When it comes to faith, like when Paul says, Timothy, be an example in faith. I was like, that's when I said, repeat the gospel to yourself every day. Like every single day, often mm-hmm. throughout the day, repeat the gospel to yourself. Um, Simon Sinek, who is another, he's a, he's a Christian, but he's a leadership guru who teaches in the Air Force and everything. He has this awesome story. Uh, he has all these like anecdotal stories. And one of them is he was an undersecretary for defense. He showed up at a conference one year to speak. He was picked up at the airport in a limousine. All of his bags were checked for him. He was taken to a five-star hotel, checked in. And we arrived at the conference. They're like, do you want anything? He's like, I'd take a coffee. They brought him this beautiful ceramic cup with coffee already in it, gave him it, and he drank it. The next year, he showed up at the same conference, but he had been demoted. He was no longer under Secretary of Defense. And he showed up. No one was there to pick him up at the airport. No one drove him to the hotel. No one took his bags. He had to carry his own bags. He had to drive him a taxi to the, to the conference. And he got there, and he's like, hey, is there coffee here? And they're like, yeah, right over there is a coffee pot and a styrofoam cup. And he said, he got up on stage to speak to the undersecretary the second year. And he said, um, he told that story. And then he said, this is just a reminder to me that the ceramic cup was not for me. It was for the position I hold mm. and that I deserve the styrofoam cup. And I love that because the whole point Sinek is getting after is humility, like reminding ourselves um, people will treat us a certain way because of position we hold or whatever. Yeah, but true. at the end of the day, especially theologically speaking, all we deserve is a styrofoam cup. Like we're not, we're not, we're not even, we're not even. Yeah, exactly. Not, not even, even that. And, and to me, I'm just like, so if we can preach the gospel to ourselves of our state and our condition and where we find ourselves outside of Christ and then where we now find ourselves inside of Christ, we can just remind ourselves of that every day. It's so liberating. And then the final thing was impurity. And that would just be, if I was talking to a, a young person, I'd be like, do not ever, 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 ever date an unbeliever or even one of those joker nominal believers. Mm. Like, oh yeah, well, he says he's a Christian. Like, don't do it. Like, because we've seen it derail so many times. It's a complete violation of Paul's writings to the church of Corinth. Like, do not be unequally yoked. Don't do that. And so those are just kind of some of the practical observations. We're talking about keeping ourselves in the love of God and, and what advice would we give? I know that's kind of like a, a derailing of this and I'll let you take it back now. But I was like, for my own soul, like th- these are things I wish I had known. I wish somebody had like told me. And there are things now that I would say to a young person practically from Paul's writing to Timothy there. Yeah, sorry, sorry, that's a little, no, that's a little sermon. <laughs> that's good. The next questions I had are a little more practical of like Christian And living. I thought you did. And so that's why I wanted to throw that yeah. in there. Because the rest, the rest of this, I'm looking at your outline. I'm like, there's not really a place for like where that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you were going to give, no, a, if you were going to give a new young Christian one word of advice, what would it be? Live as near to Jesus as you can. Okay. Mm. And obviously that takes a lot of fleshing it out. Like what's yeah, that look like? Sure. But that's the one piece of advice. Yeah. Live as near to Jesus as you can, which automatically implies you have his voice, live near to his voice. That's the word. So live near the Bible. You have his ear. That's prayer. Live in prayer. And you have his people yeah, belong to his people. Yeah. His word, prayer, his people. If those three things are ever present in your life, you will always grow in the right directions. Which is a perfect segue into your next question too. There you yeah. go. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Nice. perfect. I lo- <laughs> That's I love totally it. I love planned. It. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like obviously young Christians can mean 
you're a baby Christian, even if you're 65 yeah. years old, Amen. but Amen. especially in my generation, if you're, yeah, if you're becoming a Christian, you're Gen Z millennial. I feel like there's a rise of no cap. being a Christian. Yeah. Being a Christian on your own. So is the church really important for oh young Christians? <laughs> yeah. There Let's is, talk about that. If God is your father, the church will be your mother. Mm. If you are not involved. Augustine? Uh, Cyprian said it before oh. Augustine. So about a hundred years before Augustine. Is that like a Father Wayne Cyprian Gretzky, Michael Scott kind of thing? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind you know of. I mean? Actually, yeah. Like he said of. it first and then Augustine. Wayne Gretzky, <laughs> Michael Scott. Yeah. Cyprian, Augustine, yeah. and then like what? Spurgeon, oh, Lewis. Yeah, a, a million people. All <laughs> million the people, people that are always yeah. quoted with saying everything. Yeah. If, if God is your father, the church will be your mother. By grace in salvation, we are brought into a family, the neglected doctrine of adoption. Yeah. Sons and daughters are sonship of God. Uh, we're brought into a family at conversion that we were not naturally born into. And so in the church, God intends to give every one of his sons and daughters innumerable brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and leaders and counselors and pastors and shepherds and teachers and evangelists and all these other things to help build you up. And so to the degree that a Christian lives near the local church and belongs to his body, to that same degree... We will grow exponentially, but if the degree is in the negative, if we live far away from the body, we will diminish exponentially. And so you cannot be a Christian and neglect the local church. I get there are instances in persecution times where that will look different, certainly. But the normal Christian life ought to be lived in connection with the local church or else it's not the Christian life in any way. You might call yourself a Christian, but you're not historically in any sense of the term if Mm -hmm. you don't live near the local church and belong to his body, meaning you find a healthy church, you tether yourself to it. Those are the people that God has chosen for you to do life with. Mm -hmm. They're the people that God has chosen to mature you, to grow you, and to better you, and to conform you to his image more and more. And so it's incredibly important to neglect the local church is to neglect God, mm. I would say. Yeah, I would, I would agree for sure with what you said there at the end. You know, and I, I don't know how- Not the other stuff. I don't, I don't know, just no, I was going to say, I don't know how- Like there was a guy named Conrad Merle, years ago, a reformed guy, um, who wrote a book called Go to Church or Go to Hell. And it was the whole little booklet was on like, if you don't go to church, you're definitely not a Christian. And I would agree in principle with that. I mean, in a sense, but I do think there are legitimate Christians out there who are wayward and who are struggling and who are covered up and who go through seasons of doubt. And they still are legitimate believers because of the gospel of grace. But I would say in principle, it should certainly follow that if you're a follower of Christ and God is your father, the church necessarily needs to be the mother. Yeah. Yeah. And not to say that churches don't do church always perfectly. Obviously, this is true. We Only lead. we do. <laughs> Only we do it perfectly, right? We sin as <laughs> church leaders against many people that come yeah. to our churches. Yeah. And that's part of our honesty in doing this life together. Yeah. We are shepherds of hearts and souls. There is only one chief shepherd and it's not us. And so, but we ought to labor to point everyone to him. Yeah. Amen. So now is baptism really important for new Christians? Yes. Jeez. Oh, Jeez. You have to go here with powers. 
It is the entrance. Whether we're doing Pedo or Credo, it is the entrance into the visible community of God. I, I that's ag- true for both. Those I would agree positions. with that. Yes, and that's why I am actually a fan of both. Amen. As we talked about, but yeah, Amen. I mean, it's it's absolutely important. It is a well, it's important because it's a command of Christ. Like it's a it's a mandate of Christ. It is an identification marker, a sign of the covenant there of of at least in, in my view of of what of what? of of how Christ was buried and how we're risen and we're identified in Him. It is a public declaration to those around us of Christ Jesus and. And so I would say it stunts our faith when we refuse out of fear or out of misunderstanding, you know, misunderstanding or whatever yeah. to refuse to follow Christ in that way. Yeah. 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 And like I said, I think there's just a rise in my generation of people that are thinking that they can be Christians on their own, you know, and well, there's, not there's actually a rise in this generation historically of, Christians of, are of called to do. Individualized Christianity. I'll For just sure. make it whatever I want it to be. Yeah. And so my yeah. Christianity doesn't need to be like, doesn't need to involve church attendance or participation, or it doesn't need to involve community, or it doesn't need to involve baptism. Yeah. That's just on the rise big time because we have a lot of voices out there saying you can redefine and make what anything whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. But true Christians are defined by what scripture says to us. So yeah, right. we should stop listening to Oprah and just open our Bibles. Oprah, yeah. Adam, no one's listening to Oprah anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boomer comment, huh? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just got slayed. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I'm just going to walk out of here. Then. My bad, my bad. Adam's <laughs> advice to young Christians. <laughs> stop listening to Stop listening Oprah. to Dr. Phil. You guys Phil. need to stop guys, reading Darby and Darwin. Turn and, off and, Dr. Uh, Phil, you Gen Zers. <laughs> Dr. Phil. <laughs> and Jerry Springer. Wow. And, uh, Who's that? I, I Who's do. Jerry what? <laughs> all right sorry anyways yeah sorry i do turn 40 this year <sighs> you're already over that i'm showing oh, my dude, age I'm, too i'm, I'm being a little right child, on the brink so. of death so yeah <laughs> okay well let's wrap it up because we have you guys have said really great things and a lot of good wisdom so to wrap it up what books of the bible would you guys recommend for young christians and then what christian books would you recommend for young christians so i would just say that you know this, you know this especially, but even you do. I am a big proponent that God did not wire and create and form us all the same as far as temperament and personality and how we learn and the information we take in. And so some young Christians could start in in Ephesians or Romans. Like they totally could. And I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Like uh, a lot of times by and large, I'll point them to, I think the Psalms are like super underrated, right? Like super underrated. I agree with with Adam, like the writings of John are very simple and easy to grasp. Yeah. And so yeah, the yeah. gospel of John, first John, yeah, like those start are, there. that's really start good. Philippians is good because it's very like just practical on John like joy and in Christ. Expand yeah. from there. But I wouldn't say like there always has to be, I would, I would kind of take it, you know, and I know I can't because I'm talking to whoever's listening, but I would take it like if Danny came to me versus if Powers came to me, like, like take it case by case too. And mm-hmm. so if you're the, if you're wondering, if you're like, where should I start? Psalms are great. John's great. Mm-hmm. First John's great. But if you're like, hey, what should I recommend to other people? I would say there's no bad place. Yeah. I mean, other than maybe Leviticus for like a new believer <laughs> oh, to start. Oh, <laughs> wrong. Um, but but in, be, but in seriousness, directing them to, to, I mean, anything from Paul, the gospel accounts, I love the, I love the gospel of Mark and like the vision of Jesus that we get there. And so um, that's kind of where I would, what I would say. Amen. Anywhere in the Bible is Anywhere okay. in the Bible is pretty God, good. Yeah. God will take care of his word in the lives of his people. If you start in Leviticus, you will have a great and majestic view of our holy God who is only approached by a holy people. Mm. Or you'll stop and go to the Psalms. <laughs> <laughs> For the other question though, what books will we recommend? 
uh, for the new believer. We just, I don't know if you guys have this on your website. If you don't, you should put it there. We, we have a whole resource page on the Sunrise Community Church website. And because we are who we are, we're very bookish people. We have a little spot, books recommended for the new believer, for the church member, That's for awesome. the church leader even. And here's the list for the new believers. Three books by Greg Gilbert. Who is Jesus? What is the gospel? Why trust the Bible? Are those nine marks. Those are nine marks books, right? Yeah. I think so. Uh, vaguely related. Yeah. Okay. I think. What is a healthy church by Mark Dever, coupled with what is a healthy church member by Thabiti Anyabwile. He wrote it. Say that three times fast. Yeah. <laughs> Essential Truths of the Christian Faith by R.C. Sproul. That's uh, good, Everyone's yeah. a Theologian by R.C. Sproul. Yeah. Don't Waste Your Life by Piper. Women of the Word by Jen Wilkin. Go the Jen. Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. <laughs> Lewis. The Valley of Vision prayer book by the Puritans. And s- someone put my book up there. We won't. We won't mention that. Um, Go by it. Adam Powers. <laughs> no, no, Say no. it. Doctor no. Adam Powers. <gasps> I, I have a book called Holiness with, with me and uh, um, Assemblies of God. It's basically, uh, he, he biographied my life. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. But if you want that, uh, maybe we can put it in the show notes or something. No, we can yes, link that. I, I we would, will. Look, so. anybody who has spent any time listening to me knows the Pilgrim's Progress, and I would say a bridge to version probably if you're like new to the faith. But that's super helpful. It's just like saturated with scripture, and it's a story. And um, one that's come out recently that I really love and I've recommended to a lot of unbelievers is called Surviving Religion 101. Is that by Kruger, I think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Michael Kruger. That was oh, really, so that's really, really so helpful. Good. And that's the one I would just say, like, if you're looking for one book and you're a new Christian and you're wanting to bolster your faith and you're wanting to, he basically just takes all the objections and questions you're going to get, like the, the, a student in college would get as an assault on their faith, but it's helpful for so many people. So Surviving Religion 101 is really, really good. And all the ones that Adam mentioned are great. And there's more. And um, I, anything by Sproul. Like anything by R.C. Sproul was just, yeah. I thought, easy to read. He was just like a master of taking really complex, deep stuff and ah, making it really simple and easy a, to read an and colorful and like good. And so uh, anything by Sproul, especially that everyone's a theologian book, is is super helpful. Great. I think that's it for today, yeah. folks. We really appreciate you tuning in here. Thanks, um, guys. Yeah. Click, subscribe, like, comment. All the buttons. Comment. Only good comments. Only good comments. <laughs> no, whatever, I see you right whatever there. comments you want. Good comments. All right. We'll see you guys soon. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Out of Odds. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Odds is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about this show and Building 28 by visiting outofozpodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.